0: As you can see, I'm not too organized this week. Just getting things sorted here. So I'm drinking my water. And if you can see there, there's something in it. There's cucumber in it. You know, cucumber is good for you. Um, if you want to go online, you can look up the cucumber. Not cucumber, but cucumber. C U M U M B A. The cucumber man will sing you a song about the benefits of cucumber. You're getting that for nothing. That's your eyesight and your bad breath and everything. so we are so thankful this morning that we are here together we've only got two more left ladies and i know our numbers are kind of going down but that always happens this time of the year as we get kind of nearer to the end and people are going holidays and that's why we do close for the summer because there's so many things going on and we are thrilled to be here and we are thrilled that god has been with us and we started in hebrews last September and we're going to finish, we're we're almost there, we're finishing off chapter 12 and we're going to, over the next two weeks, we're going to finish off, thank you, we're going to finish off uh, chapter 13 and finish the entire book of Hebrews. And we have been really um, looking to God to speak to us, as we always do, to speak to us directly, individually and uh, in a way that would be, uh, for the moment, uh, that we're looking to God for a now word, Something that is for this moment in your life. Because God is real and he wants to communicate with you. He wants to speak into your life in a fresh way. And he wants you to know that he is there for you. And that he loves you and is interested in everything that's going on in your life. And I think it's really important that we remind ourselves of that every time we come here. That we remind ourselves that God wants to give a fresh word. He wants to give something that will touch you right in this moment, in your situation today. That's what we're believing God for. And our title today is, Which Mountain Are You Going to Live By? And that might sound a bit mysterious, but we'll, we'll come. We'll, I think we'll all be revealed as we get into this. We're finishing off the last chapters of Hebrews 12. You might remember that previously, right throughout the book of Hebrews, We realized that the letter to the Hebrews was written to Jewish believers at a time when they were beginning to get a little bit confused and a little bit shaky and wavering a little bit in their faith because very religious um, traditional Jews were telling them and insisting that the blood of Jesus was not enough, that they needed to go back to the old system of uh, keeping adherence to the law, the law of Moses, with all the whole sacrificial system. So these traditional religious Jews were insisting that these new believers who were saying that Jesus fulfilled all the Old Testament prophecies and that he died on the cross as a final sacrifice for sin, that that the writer is saying, don't listen to these religious Jews. Don't go back. Don't go back to the old system. Don't go back to the law which was given to God on Mount Sinai. The writer is saying and right throughout hebrews this is what he's saying he's telling them don't go back and that's what we've been looking at over these weeks and we looked over the last couple of weeks at how in chapter 11 we saw how the old testament saints showed us how to blaze a trail that they were witnesses to what it was like to have faith and to live their lives by faith and we saw that chapter 11 of hebrews is a great hallmark of faith and how chapter 12 just runs right into the same message for us today that God is calling on us to run by faith that he's calling on us to run the same race and to do it by faith in Jesus Christ keeping our eyes focused upon him so that's what we've been looking at over the past few weeks and just at the end of last week we looked at how um, in chapter 12 it also gives us a warning about Esau and how it warns us that Esau, if you remember the story of Esau in the Old Testament, he was the, one of, of two brothers of twins. His, his twin brother was Jacob. And if you remember, eh, Esau was came out first. And if you remember, he was the firstborn who would have got the blessing from his father. But he didn't value it. He didn't go after it. And how he sold it for, for a mess of pottage, if you remember, if you know that story in the Old Testament. So really what it's bringing out in Hebrews here is that, that Esau didn't didn't value or set any any um, appreciation on the birthright that was his and so he sold it. And as I meditated about that this week I just had this sense that that it's not by chance that the Holy Spirit has put those words in here because I believe that God wants us to realize that we could very easily go through life and not really enter in or value the work of Christ for us on the cross, wouldn't that be awful if we wasted years by not actually entering in and enjoying the fullness of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross? And so, we're going to read and let's just read these verses and then we'll get into the talk. So, we're we're, we're we'll just read, I think, about Esau, just go back a verse. Um, it says, uh, verse 16 of chapter 12. Make sure that no one is immoral or godless like Esau, who traded his birthright as the firstborn son for a single meal. You know that afterwards, when he wanted his father's blessing, he was rejected. It was too late for repentance, even though he begged with bitter tears. But you have come, but you have not come to a physical mountain, to a place of flaming fire, darkness, gloom, and whirlwind as the Israelites did at Mount Sinai for they heard an awesome trumpet blast and a voice so terrible that they begged God to stop speaking. They staggered back under God's command. If even an animal touches the mount, it shall—it must be stoned to death. That was the command. Moses himself was so frightened at the sight that he said, I'm, I'm terrified and trembling. No, You have come to Mount Sinai, you haven't come to Mount Sinai, but no, you've come to Mount Sinai, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering. You have come to the assembly of God's firstborn children, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God himself, who is the judge over all things. You have come to the spirits of the righteous ones in heaven, who have now been made perfect. You have come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people, and to the sprinkled blood which speaks of forgiveness instead of crying out of vengeance like the blood of Abel. Be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. For if the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, the earthly messenger, we will certainly not escape if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven. When God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth, But now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means that all of creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things will remain. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshipping him with holy fear and awe. For our God is a devouring fire. Uh, other translations say our God is a consuming fire. And so the two mountains that we're looking at in this passage, Mount Sinai with all the fearsomeness of the law being given to Moses and of the rumblings and of the sounds and the, the, just the, the fire, and the, it was just a, a fearful place. And it's, it's, it's looking at that mountain which speaks of the law that was given and looking at Mount Sinai which speaks of the grace of God and what Jesus did for us on the cross and what is now happening in heaven and going to happen in the future when God brings everything together under his name and under his glory. And that these are the two mountains that we want to look at today because I think that we so often sort of tend to go back towards Mount Sinai thinking instead of Mount Zion thinking. And I feel it's so important that we get our thinking right, that we get what we think in our mind and what we speak with our mouths. And I know I'm always going on about this, but I think it is so important that we speak from Mount Sinai and we think from Mount Sinai and not from Mount, or sorry, think from Mount Zion and speak from Mount Zion and not from Mount Sinai. You see, there's something about human nature that really gets a little bit comfortable with just rules and regulations. We would kind of prefer to kind of just go through as a sort of a, a routine stuff and have our wee pattern laid out and just show me what to do, that's easier in some ways than living by faith. Would you agree with me? Stepping out and trusting, we, we all Well, what's happening now and what exactly, I mean, you know, how many people, And the, I, I notice a difference in people, some people want to know everything. Tell me about it now, I want to know exactly what's happening. And, and that, I love people now, I'm not, I'm not condemning that, because it's good to know where you're going. You need to know where you're, you need to be sure that you're going to heaven, you need to be sure about that. But I love that attitude. Maybe it just comes out of my, my spirit, which I think, I've, I, I'm speaking of myself, I've got a free spirit. Have you? I love the journey of not really knowing all the details. Anybody else like that? Just let me have the adventure. Give me the adventure. And while there's other people in there, I'd like to know a little bit more. I feel a little bit fearful. But I believe that God wants to bring us into a place where we enjoy the adventure, where we learn to live by faith, and I want to do that more. Now, I know that there's a place for finding out details. There's nothing wrong with that. That's good. But there's something about us that would prefer the rules and the regulations rather than really living by faith in God. There's a verse in the Bible that says we walk by faith and not by sight. And that's a bit scary, isn't it? It really is a bit scary. I, years ago, I did a course in England for six months. It was a training course to work with blind people. And they put a blindfold on us and we had to use, we taught us how to use a long cane. Have you ever seen anybody out in the streets? And they actually trained us out on the, trained us in a the, the school environment first and then sent us out on the streets. And that was our motto. We walk by faith and not by sight. Because I'll tell you, it was a bit scary to have a blindfold on you and to be sent out and to have to make find your way around. And so the same principle is there for us as believers. That we don't always see everything. In fact, sometimes what you see in the natural is not what God sees in the spiritual. And so God wants us to learn to become woman of faith. Woman who will put our complete trust in God. And sometimes we allow Satan who also, by the way, is a legalist, Satan will accuse you, and the Bible teaches that Mount Sinai, where the law was given, that Satan uses the law because the law condemns us. Because none of us could ever keep the law. That's the bottom line. And that's why the Bible teaches that the law really just brought condemnation upon us because we could never live up to the law. Now, the law was beautiful. I love Psalm 19, it talks about how beautiful it is. And it is, God's precepts and his laws are wonderful and beautiful, but we as human beings, because of our sinful nature, because of what happened back in the Garden of Eden, we are born in sin and we have this twisted nature and it's impossible for us to live up to the law. Therefore, the law only serves to condemn us. And, and I love um, Romans 7, and we'll maybe read a verse or two out of it now. I love Romans 7 because it says, it talks about a man and a wife and it says, you know, whenever you are married to one man and then he dies, you're no longer married to him, then you're free to marry another man. And it gives the example of the law, how God was with his people and his people actually at Mount Sinai, it was like a wedding ceremony with the Israelites. And actually, whenever Jesus came, it gives the, I'm going to read it to you now, it gives the example that the law actually became dead, just like the first husband, so that we are now free to be married to Christ and that we can live in that way. Let's just look at, at, um, at, at Romans for a moment because um, I think it's it's very, very good. It says, for example, when a woman marries, the law binds her to her husband as long as he is alive. But if he dies, the law of marriage no longer applies to her. So while her husband is alive, she would be committing adultery if she married another man. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law and does not commit adultery when she remarries. So, my dear brothers and sisters, this is the point. You died to the power of the law when you died with Christ. And now you're united with the one who um, who was raised from the dead and as a result we can produce a harvest of good deeds for God when we were controlled for God when we were controlled by our old nature sinful desires were at work within us and the law aroused these evil desires that produced a harvest of sinful deeds resulting in death but now we've been released from the law For we died to it and are no longer captive to its power. Now we can serve God, not on the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but on the new way of living in the spirit. Because we are now married to Christ. And it's a whole different ballgame. And so it's so easy for us to slip back into the old way of Sinai, where we were trying our best all the time, and the enemy's always condemning us, It's hard to get out of that sometimes and to come into the grace that has been given to us. Now that we are married to Christ, we we are living in a grace relationship, a relationship of love, because Jesus fulfilled the law. He fulfilled fulfilled it for us to set us free from the law, that we could live by the Spirit. That's why it goes on to say in chapter 8 of Romans there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. And so often as believers you and I we listen to the lies of the enemy who condemns us that we have not done good enough and we're not we're not we're not coming up to this legal requirement of the law, when all the time Jesus has fulfilled that for us, his blood has paid the price for our sin, and we are free to operate in the spirit now, not in our flesh trying to do things so we'll please God, but by the spirit to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, to live a life that just blesses God. Because we, what we can't do in the flesh, we can do in the spirit. Isn't that amazing? And uh, you see, the enemy comes to undermine you because he comes with condemnation. And I wonder how many of you, and I would even dare to ask this question even this morning, how many of you felt that voice saying, you know, you didn't that voice of condemnation. Didn't do good enough. What was that you did last night? You didn't you didn't do good enough. You aren't good enough. How would you do anything for God? You're no good. We all know that voice that puts us down all the time. And you see. The enemy tries to undermine the word of God. Now it's very interesting because a couple of weeks ago I was down in Limerick and I went with a friend we went to King John's castle in Limerick and we did the tour and it's a very very interesting place. Uh, King John was way back in the 17th century 16 something or other and he he was the king that was on the English throne around the time of Robin Hood. You know that kind of era? His brother King Richard was off fighting in the in the Holy Land or whatever. But it was just very interesting because when we were going around this castle, it was a little bit, and it talked about a siege that happened in 1642. And it showed you like a diagram and it showed you the old, the old castle where the people in Ireland were being besieged. They were all in this big castle. And the ones who were besieging them, they started to uh, undermine, they started to dig tunnels. I'll just read it to you. Those who retreated into the castle were crammed into makeshift shelters and had little food or drink. By all accounts, it became a living nightmare. The besiegers, that's, that's the ones who we were outside, they dug a series of tunnels in an attempt to bring down the castle's defences. Can you imagine? So outside, the ones who were besieging this castle, they were digging tunnels underneath, and it showed you diagrams of these long tunnels. And it just said this. It said this is where the word undermine comes from. And that's what Satan tries to do with you. You you might know God's word, and you might be saved, and you might have asked Jesus into your heart to save you. And if you haven't done that, I'd love that you would do it today. If you don't yet know Jesus as your saviour, I would love that you would do that. Kelly, had sitting in the front here, and her wee girl, who's six, on Sunday night, asked Jesus into her heart. Isn't that amazing? And on the way to school on Monday morning, she was and everybody along the road, even people she didn't know, to tell them, I asked Jesus into my heart. Do you know Jesus? And so she's a wee buttoned evangelist at six years of age. And if you haven't asked Jesus into your heart, if there hasn't been a moment where you've asked him to cleanse you from your sins, when you've realised you need to turn away from the bad stuff and turn toward Jesus, I want to tell you, now's your moment. You could walk out of here today knowing Jesus as your saviour. Isn't that amazing? But, you know, for those of us who do know him and love him and have have walked this path of, of life with him, even though we know the word of God, it's so easy for the enemy to come and try and besiege us. And very often he does that by cutting us off. And very often these people have not food or drink and very often that's what happens spiritually. We stop reading our Bible, we stop you know, praying to God and it's like we are besieged. And then the enemy starts to start digging into your belief system. And it's like he's trying to pull out things that you know. You know that God is true, you know that God is faithful. And yet that thing keeps coming, maybe God will let me down this time. You know that's not the truth but yet the enemy's digging underneath. He's digging a tunnel to undermine your faith in God. Would you agree with me? And I believe today that if any of you are feeling that the enemy is doing that to you, that it's so important that you just just bring this into the light and just get a bit of prayer at the end because we're so up for prayer here. Listen, you don't have to listen to those lies. You don't have to live that kind of a life. God wants to set you free. And so we've got to stop allowing the enemy to undermine the truth of God's word and God's grace. Do you know, if it wasn't for God's grace, there wouldn't be one of us here. Isn't that the truth? Because the enemy tells you you're the worst big sinner that ever walked and that you've done so many things uh, that are bad. And you know, do you know what? We're all the same. We really are, all of our hearts. The Bible says our hearts are actually desperately wicked. And if any of us were in a a certain situation, we're capable of doing anything. You know, we look even at the atrocities that are happening in our world today. Do you know what, if we were in a certain situation, we would do just as much. Really, we're all sinners. And yet, by God's grace, he sets us up And he makes us to walk as daughters of the king. And he he makes us to walk in the true identity that Jesus died to give us. And you're precious to God. And God has a plan for you. So we need to have a revelation of these two mountains. And if you look at your notes, you'll see that that first mountain is Mount Sinai which was the mountain where the law was given. And if you, you need to understand that the law, the Old Testament law, the ten, not just the Ten Commandments, but all of the other stuff that was given, you know, through Leviticus and all of that, all the sacrificial system and the tabernacle and all of that, all of that was given to Moses. And that was actually the authority of God's judicial system. That's what happened at Mount Sinai. Whereas the second mountain is Mount Zion, which speaks of the heavenly Jerusalem where God's throne of grace is, isn't it amazing that right at this moment, in heaven there is a throne of grace, and isn't it amazing that's where God is sitting at the moment? And there is—we're going to—we're going to, to say it shortly. There is a throng. Heaven is is populated, guys. Heaven is populated, and it was whilst it was at Mount Sinai that God gave the Law to Moses. And he did it to to cover the sins on a temporary basis through the sacrifice of animals it's amazing that actually that whole ceremony was like a marriage with israel with god's people and we've already alluded to that and the people at the and if we read it the, the, the israelites were so afraid when they saw the holiness of god when they heard the thunders around that mountain they were terrified because god is a holy god and because we are sinful and because they were sinful they were they were in absolute terror and we've read those verses so that they weren't they weren't able to embrace god's love because of their sinful hearts and because of their knowledge of their own sin Now it's interesting here, I've written in your notes, the law did not succeed in changing their hearts or in promoting holiness. The law could never do that. It could only, the sacrifice of the animals could only cover the sin from one year to the next and even on a daily basis with daily sacrifices. And even when Moses was up the mountain, they were down worshipping the golden calf. So really, the law just wasn't, it was only, in fact Galatians says it was like a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. It was to show us that we couldn't live up to the law. It was simply to show us our fallen state, to show us that without Christ, without, without the cross, without forgiveness, that we could not live before God. Now on the other hand, Mount Sinai speaks of the love and forgiveness of God that's made possible because of the new covenant. Now you see, the old covenant was given in Mount Sinai. That was the old agreement between God and his people. The new covenant is what Jesus Christ came to give. Do you remember before he went to the cross, do you remember he broke the bread at the Passover and he said, This is the new covenant that is given in my blood. So instead of an animal sacrifice, Jesus was going to come in and be the final sacrifice for sin, and he was going to make a new covenant. And this new covenant would would mean that because of his sacrificial death, because he paid the price for our sins, that we could enter in as a child of God and legally, now this is the word you need to be aware of, legally be clean and free from the penalty of sin. Now, that's a very, very important word because these two mountains speak of the authority of God. The first one, Sinai, speaks of the judicial system of God and the one, uh, the new covenant at Mount Zion, uh, there's a throne there, there's a throne there, there's a judge there, it's also the judicial system of God. But because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross for you and for me, we are legally able to be forgiven and to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and to live a life that is free from the demands of the law. Yes, when we sin, we bring it to God, we get forgiveness. There's a whole new legal system now. It's through the blood of Jesus. And we can have it every day as we bring things into the light and ask him to cleanse us and forgive us. We can walk in this total forgiveness through one sacrifice, not through all of this rigmarole and all of this endless sacrifice. Never, and we've looked at this over the weeks and months past, could never take away sin, and so here's where we are, guys. We are not at Mount Sinai. We, we're no, not at Mount Sinai. I'll get these two right. We are at Mount si- We are at Mount Zion, and this is where we speak from, and this is where we realise that we are now married to Christ. We are His bride. We are His His daughters, and that we have the right to live uh, from Mount Sinai. Now, the main point of today is choosing which mountain you are going to. Um, you're going to live by you see very often in, in this church whenever we're praying and i'm just thinking of, of, of the girls at the back there of joy and jerry we would meet to pray on a friday morning and very often we'll say look we need to pray together and we need to pray in agreement because the bible says in matthew 18 that if two of you shall agree is touching a matter that it shall be done and, and all it goes on to say in those verses that um, uh, for where two or three are gathered together there am i jesus in the midst so when you agree on earthly terms you're agreeing with each other but you're also agreeing with jesus you're agreeing with heaven and when you pray like that and you know that you're praying something that heaven wants then you come into what we call the power of agreement and we pray like that very often and very regularly because we know it's scriptural we know it's the right way to pray and it's also in those verses in matthew 18 it talks about whatever you bind on earth we bind in heaven and whatever you bind or the other way around bind in have Bound on an earth, and whatever's loose shall be loose. So there's a power in praying like that. Now I really felt as I read this over this last week that God wanted to show us something about coming into agreement with heaven. I believe God wants to show us the power that is available to us and the the richness of what we've come into because we're living at Mount Sinai and when the enemy's starting to try and condemn us because of the law and we're not keeping it we can immediately confess before Jesus we can be immediately cleansed and we can walk without condemnation now, would I tell you something? if you're anything like me and I, I think you probably are you will feel condemnation coming on you all the time you're not good enough, you didn't do that, what are you mess up there for? And listen, God wants us to live free of that. Would you agree with me? He doesn't want us to live under condemnation because Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. We need to know that, it's paid for. So yes, we will foul up and we will get things wrong and we need to confess those, but we can live at Mount Sinai, we don't have, sorry, i get this right, we can live at Mount Zion, we don't have to live at Mount Sinai. right now remember all the smoke and all the palaver at mount Sinai, all the terror and shaking and all that's not where we're living ladies we're living at mount zion we're living in the city of the great king where the throne is where they we're going to look now who's up there and how we can and how we can join with them because i believe that these verses are saying to us you, you, you don't come to a physical mountain to a place of flaming fire and darkness and gloom and whirlwind because that's what our sins will bring us into darkness and gloom no you don't come to that mountain but verse 22 says no you have come to mount zion to the city of the living god the heavenly jerusalem and now we're going to look at all of these i have them listed there seven different things it says here that i think are really important to us We come, I believe the Holy Spirit is encouraging us that we actually come to Mount Zion and that God wants us to approach his throne in faith and in agreement, right? So the first thing he says is, we come to and agree with Mount Zion, the heavenly Jerusalem. So you need to see and visualize that actually we're down here on earth, but we are linked to heaven, And all that's going on in heaven there, we can say a yes to. Would you agree with me? All that's going out from the throne, we can say, yes, we agree, we're with you. Then it says, it goes on to say here, that uh, we're we're coming to, uh, it says in the New Living Translation, to countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering. Uh, The other translation, New, New King James says, we come in agreement with an innumerable company of angels. See, the angels bow before the throne, and the angels are in agreement with what's going out from the throne. And we are in agreement with the angels. All right? So so far, so far, good so far? Then it says, as well as, as being in agreement with all that's going on in heaven and with this countless thousands of angels in this <laughs> joyful gathering, as well as that, you have come to the assembly of God's firstborn children whose names are written in heaven. The New King James says to the General Assembly, Church of the Firstborn, registered in heaven. Now, what does it mean, all of this? Well, Mount Zion is telling us, it's speaking of what's going on in heaven right now. Now, we don't know what God's, what his plans are across this earth. We don't know the plans that he has over Ireland. We don't know the plans that's going on in your life right now. But when we come into agreement with heaven, we're saying, Lord, we don't know, but we want to come into agreement with you and will oh, you just even give us light and show us how to pray because we want to pray in agreement with heaven. That's a good way to start our prayers. And when we when we pray like that and we're saying, Lord, we know the angels are with you and the angels, remember that Hebrews taught us way back in the beginning that the eagles, the, the angels, not the eagles, the angels, oh, we're talking about eagles in the prayer meeting, that's... The angels are there to minister to those of us who are heirs of salvation. So they're there to minister to us and they're all worshiping and all in agreement with heaven. So why can't we just say, not, that we're, we're not to worship or pray to angels, but we're thankful God, they're, they're with us and they can help us a little bit and they're, we're joining this throng. And then it says to the General Assembly, the Church of the Firstborn, registered in heaven, that's us. So what it's saying is here that you haven't gone, you're not going to this whole mountain of fear How many of us are still living in fear? Fear is Mount Sinai. Condemnation is Mount Sinai, right? Is that where you're living? No, you're in Mount Zion. Mount Zion speaks of the love of God, of the grace of God, (coughs) of the sacrifice of Christ, of the freedom that Jesus died to pay for, that you could enjoy. If you're living from Mount Zion, then you're in the right, you know, you're in the right place. So you're in agreement with all that's going on in heaven. You know that the angels are in agreement with God, And then, here's us, it says here, you've come to Mount Zion, to the General Assembly, the Church of the Firstborn registered in heaven. That's us, in other words, the writer of the Hebrews is saying, all of you still on earth, whenever you're praying and you're in agreement, you're in agreement with all of heaven. You're on this earth and your names are registered in heaven, you're you're not there yet, but you're still able to join in in the agreement. Do you get that? I hope I'm explaining this okay, Lord, help me to explain this, because I just think I I want this to get a grip on my heart, because I want my prayer life to change. Do you? Wouldn't it be amazing if we could pray, really knowing that we're praying in agreement with all heaven, and I believe we would see things happening if we'd learn to pray like this. And so it says that we are, uh, I have written in your notes here that we who are saved and still on earth have this opportunity of joining an agreement with heavenly host because whilst we're not yet in heaven we are part of the church of the firstborn who are already registered in heaven and we need to remember that Jesus said we should pray thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven so if we could get a grasp of how wonderful this is that we can pray with all of heaven in agreement with angels and here on earth we can be part of it all and then I love this fourth one because the fourth one says to to the judge of all the earth that is God and his but that is God as judge and it's interesting I've got seven things here that are named in chapter 12 of Hebrews and the fourth one is God the judge he is with the Mount Zion is where his throne is in heaven, and God is there as the judge. And you know what? Every one of you have been vindicated because of the blood of Jesus. All of you are free to be there and welcomed to be there with that heavenly throne. And you see, God's seated at his throne, and his desire for all of you on the earth is to be in agreement with him. Now, what does it it mean to be in agreement with him? It means to have a renewed mind. How many weeks did we go through here, a month or two back, about the renewing of our mind, about getting our minds in agreement with what God says? We need to be getting God's word day and daily into our hearts. And we need to come into agreement with what God says and fall out of agreement with that condemnation. Fall out of agreement with that fear that the enemy will bring around you, that God will not come through for you, that you are not good enough or that somehow you have to get his approval. Or whatever it is, fear of the future, fear of what might happen tomorrow, regret of the past, remorse over things that have happened. You know, depression and and stuff that the enemy's just come in. and, And, you know, depression is not, we're not saying that that's something that you're doing sinfully. But the enemy would want to fill your thoughts and your minds with darkness. But God wants to fill your mind with light and with love. And he wants to lift you. The enemy wants to undermine you. God wants to lift you up. God wants you to know what it is to walk in his love and in his power and in his authority because he's the judge and what the judge of all the earth says is right and we can trust him. And so he wants us to have this renewing of our minds and he wants us to live by faith. But he also wants us to walk, and I wrote this down very carefully, he also wants us to walk in the authority that has legally been purchased for us at the cross. Because God wants you to make a difference in this world. He really does. He has stuff that only you can do. And he wants you to learn to walk in the authority that actually you are seated already. Although you're on this earth, you're already as good as seated in Mount Zion. You are there in spirit and you can agree. Doesn't it say in Ephesians 2 that we are already seated in heavenly places? This is our position before God and God wants you to know that. The enemy, listen, the enemy does not want us to use this authority that Jesus died to give us. Instead, the enemy tries to isolate us and deceive us about our true position in Christ. And he will do that any way that he can. He will try to undermine what God says about you. Fifthly, it was on to say that there in the new, in the in the Zion, in Mount Zion, that, that there are the spirits of just men made perfect. And that's what the New King James says. Did you cast it what I read in the New Living Translation? It says, um, If I can just find it here, you have come to God Himself, who's the judge over all things. You have come to the spirits of the righteous ones in heaven, who have now been made perfect. What does that mean? It means that all of the dead people who died in Christ, all of the people who have died believing in Jesus as their Savior, that they're already in heaven, and that actually they are joining this throng. And they are, they, are, they are speaking out words of agreement. I believe they're actually praying prayers there. And they're in agreement with, with the whole of heaven, with the angels, with us down on earth, you see, they're not just, at the beginning of Hebrews 10, it speaks about them, it's almost like they're, on, you know, they're cheering us all and they're looking down and they're witnesses to what it's like to live a life of faith and they're cheering us on to be the same. But from this, I believe that they're not just cheering us on, but they're actually joining in this big, big heavenly throng, this heavenly company, and they are crying out prayers of agreement. And, and we on earth can pray in agreement with heaven. Isn't that amazing? that the dead ones you've gone before. I can think of so many of my family who are already with Jesus and to think that they're part of this heavenly company and that they're in agreement and they're part of it. They're not just passively there, they are actively involved in what's going on at Mount Zion, the city of the great king. Isn't that an amazing thought? And here on earth, we can be joining that throng and praying, yes, let, let your will be done. Let heaven come to earth. Yes, your will be done. can we can cry that out? that's what jesus said to pray thy kingdom come thy will be done as on earth as it is in heaven and so we can join in with this this huge company of people who have gone before and the sixth person then that mentioned is uh, is is the the person mentioned is jesus let's just read this again it says you have come to jesus isn't this amazing isn't this amazing you have come to Jesus the one who mediates the new covenant between God and the people and 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 this, to this and to the sprinkled blood I want to deal with this first one number number six we have come to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant I love this because you see a mediator is a go-between and Jesus is the one who goes between us you know, when we, whenever we get things wrong and we sin, the Bible teaches very clearly that he is the mediator, that he stands between us and his father and his, his wounds and the price that he paid by shedding his blood on the cross. It cleanses us and the father sees you in Christ. He doesn't look at your sin, he sees you in Christ. He's the one who stands between, he is the mediator. Back at, at Mount Sinai, where none of us want to go, Mount Sinai, it was Moses who was the go-between. He was the one who went up the mountain and received the law. He was the one that gave the law to the Israelites. What a contrast. The old system, Mount Sinai, was depending on a frail man like Moses, who, although he was a great man, he had false just like all of us. But here at Mount Sinai, where all of us can stand, we have Christ Jesus himself. He's the one that is our mediator. The one who stands between God and man. Listen, you're, you're hidden in Christ. because of, You're not going to heaven because of what you've tried to do or how good you've tried to be. You're going to heaven because he died for your sins and he legally paid the price to set you free from condemnation. And God looks at you and he sees you in him. Isn't that amazing? And we can join with what's happening in heaven because he is a mediator between God and man and he stands there on our behalf we know the Holy Spirit is also praying for us as well this new covenant this Mount Sinai is not about works it's about grace it doesn't kill us like the law did it gives us life if you have time I don't think we have time today but if you have time to to um to read 2nd Corinthians 3 verses 7 to 18 you just see there how the spirit, the law the law kills. It kills because we can't live up to it. But the spirit gives life. And how God wants us to live in the freedom. He doesn't want us to be under the bondage of the law. He wants us to be free. And finally. Finally, the one, number seven, it talks about, I've got the power notes here, number seven talks about the, uh, the blood. Let's look at the last here. In the New Living Translation it says, you have, come, uh, you have come to the sprinkled blood which speaks of forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel. Remember, and again, we'll quickly remind, remind you of this. Back in Genesis, do you remember Abel and Cain were two brothers and Cain killed Abel And you remember God said, God came down and he said to Cain, what's this, the blood of your brother Abel's crying to me out of the ground. What was the blood speaking? It's amazing that blood speaks according to the Bible. What was the blood speaking of with Abel? It was speaking of guilt and judgment because of what he had done. He was a murderer. But what does the blood of Jesus Christ speak? It speaks forgiveness. Imagine, his blood speaks forgiveness over you. His blood speaks of justification. And because of that, we can join this amazing throng. And so we've looked at this and we've seen this. I would love us to grasp the enormity of this. If we could just grasp the fact that whilst we're living on this earth, that in Mount Zion, which is a heavenly city, where it's all happening at the moment, that actually we are linked to Mount Zion, that we are part of that heavenly throng. Although we are still here, our names are registered and we're already seated in heavenly places. And if we could grasp that our prayers are actually going up to join with those prayers and the power of that. And I believe that that's what the way that God wants the church to rise up, to pray in agreement with heaven and to know that all the weight of heaven is behind those prayers. And if it doesn't work out the way you think it should work out, you need to know that all the judgment of heaven is working it out in the way God sees fit. Because God knows more than you do. I often say this, God knows more than you do, and God knows how to bring something good out of something that you think is not good. Because God works all things together for good. And listen, we need to grasp this, that we are here for a short time, listen we're not going to be here forever we're here for a short time and we have got this opportunity of praying in agreement with heaven and seeing god's will coming to this earth listen it's not god's will that any should perish we can pray for souls to be saved we can stand in the gap we can see things happening and i believe this is a very powerful way for us to pray we can pray for ourselves that god would help us and empower us to keep our mind on this truth that what God says is the truth, and speak it out in agreement with heaven, and stop falling out of, of agreement with heaven, and going back to talk old stupid talk, like condemnation over yourself and over other people. Stop living at Mount Sinai. Start living at Mount, have I got that right? Mount Sinai. <laughs> okay, so we're coming near, near the end here, because it goes on then, it kind of jumps from that, and then it says, Be careful then that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. I believe God's speaking to us today. I believe he wants you to hear him. For the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses. If they did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, the earthly messenger, we will certainly not escape if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven. When God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth. But now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means that all of creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things will remain since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe for our God is a defar- devouring fire. We're coming to the end of our time really but I really wanted to, 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 to end up on this point point. and the heading I've put in your notes is when God shakes it's for our good. You see at the very beginning, if, you're, if those of you who've, who stuck with us right from last September, when we opened up the book of Hebrews, we saw it was a book of shaking. And God is shaking things in the world today. And uh, the thing is that when he starts to shake up things in our lives, sometimes we don't like it. But you know what? His God will shake up anything that will hinder us from being part and joining in with this heavenly company. God does not want you to start leaning on something else. He doesn't want you to get into a comfort zone and just depend on a person or depend on something in your life, your, your nice job. Or he, do, he doesn't want you to put anything in front of him. God wants you to absolutely be alert. And I think it, it, was, it, was, it was earlier this morning um, that uh, one of the ladies said, Olive said about waking up with that verse wake up oh sleeper. See it's very easy, the enemy can lull us into sleep and we we'll just go through the day and we don't really get into real prayer and I'm speaking to myself as well. God wants us to be awake. I think this morning he would say wake up Oh, sleepers, don't be sleeping. This is not the day or the hour to be sleeping. We're living in the end times. We're living in the days when we should be alert and bright and bushy-tailed and ready to enter into that prayer because, you know what, we have the legal right bought for us by the cross. We have the legal right to pray in agreement with heaven and see things happening in our lives i believe we have the legal right to pray for our loved ones to see them coming into salvation we have the legal right to speak for god's will to be done in situations and if there's bad stuff i believe we can pray for healing we can pray for all of those things and we're praying lord we're in agreement with heaven we're 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 coming in we're believing that you're moving in this situation and call forth those things you know i I forget who it says a prayer Is not about us trying to get God to bend our will, but prayer is about getting into agreement with his will. That's what prayer is about. And that's what God wants from us. And I have jotted down just a couple of quotes, and I know we're nearly finished and jotted down a couple of things that different people have (coughs) said. It's a very interesting quote here. A guy called Frederick Wislos says, "'You may pray for an hour and still not pray.'" You know the way sometimes you can go on in your... Or you may meet God for a moment, And then be in touch with him all day those moments aren't those moments amazing where you realize god i'm touching heaven you've just heard my voice there's something about knowing that god's just heard your voice and that he's speaking to you abraham lincoln said i have been driven many times to my knees by the overwhelming conviction that i had absolutely no other place to go martin lloyd jones said Always respond to every impulse to pray. The impulse to pray may come when you're reading or when you're battling with a text. I would make an absolute law of this. Always obey such an impulse. I believe that God is speaking to us a lot more than we realise. On Sunday morning, past. Uh, I was lying in bed and I'd been reading a book, I got it down in Kindle uh, about six months ago and I really felt this book was quite important to my life and to the life of some friends. And we'd spoken about this book and having it in Kindle is not the same as having it in an ordinary paperback. And uh, we'd been, some friends have been really asking God about this. I have tried to get the book online for months, I've been on a number of times, When I went over to America, I went to one of the big stores, they looked it up and it wasn't even in their records, they couldn't find this book anywhere, never heard tell of it. So I came home thinking right you can't get this book, it's out of print or whatever. On Sunday morning I'm lying in bed and I had been reading a little bit out of the book and it was about this, it was about praying, it was actually a lot of this stuff, it was praying, it was talking about that and I I was lying in bed and I was thinking, I was thinking Lord I would love that book and I was about to turn over and in my spirit I heard in my spirit the thought the thought, like a loud thought, was if you go on to Amazon right now, you'll be able to order that book. And I kind of learned over and I thought, oh, that's just me. And then I thought, What what if it's not? So I thought, right, okay. So I got the the phone beside the bed and I got it to Amazon. Lo and behold, you didn't I see nice the book in paperback. And a five copies on the way. <laughs> work? I got a notice this morning came through your shipments on the way. Do you know what? If that gave me a lift all day, because I thought, Lord, you heard my And I think half the time we actually are hearing God. But so easy can miss it. Because we don't take account of those light thoughts, those things that he's speaking to us all the time. Philip Emerson from here, he's always saying about Moses. He's always saying, I wonder how many bushes Moses passed before he stopped that day at the burning bush. I wonder how many burning bushes he passed before he actually took notice. God wants to communicate with you. He sent his son to die on the cross so that the way would be opened up that he could communicate with you. He wants to talk to you. He wants to show you secrets out of his word. He wants to teach you how to pray. He wants to make you into a mighty woman of God. Unlike what I said over Sandra this morning a mighty warrior, a warrior woman. God wants you to rise up from where you are. He doesn't want you to be asleep. He wants you to get up on your two feet, know that all heaven's praying, you can join in with the throng, and what you say goes because Jesus legally died on the cross to pay for it. Is that not good enough? We need to get into this, girls. We are living in the last days. We've only got to look and see the terrors and the atrocities that are going on. would make you weep. No, Satan is showing his hand as to how evil he is. is so evil and we have a God who sent his son to pay the price, to redeem us, that we could join him and not only be in heaven but be with him in the new heaven and the new earth, because he's a great plan for what's up ahead. Now this thing about being shaken, it's not to be feared, it goes on to say, I believe God, when God shakes us is a good thing, he shakes us up to say stop sleeping, waking up, and so he's going to shake anything that might get into your way. And it goes on to say, not only is he willing to shake you, but it talks here about how he's going to burn up, that he's a consuming fire. Do you know this? I've read this chapter all my life, and every time I've read those last verses, it follows that we that our God's a consuming fire. And it's meant to bring a certain type of holy fear to us, I know that. But you know the thing, this last day or two, and I'm going to finish with this, you know the thing really rejoicing? This is actually something not to be afraid of. Because for believers, the fact that he's a consuming fire is good news. Why? Because he's going to burn up all that dross, all those mistakes, all that stuff, all that hurt. He wants to burn it up. He wants to consume it. He wants to set you free from it. And it's a blessing and a comfort to know that our God is a consuming power. I often think, and we haven't time to go into it, but if you go home and you take some time to read 1 Corinthians 3, where it talks about how he will, you know, all the works that we've done, how he, all the dross will be burnt up, that's a good thing. Because you know what? God wants to free us from the rubbish that's in our lives. God wants to set you free. And so the question is, do you want to live your life in the freedom of Mount Zion and see God's kingdom come? Are you going to step back into bondage into Mount Sinai with all of the condemnation, all of the fear, and live your life in narrow bondage? Where are you going to pitch your tent? Where are you going to decide today that you are going to live? I tell you what I'm doing. I'm stepping right over into Mount Sinai. And I'm saying, thank you, Lord. I'm part of your heavenly host. Thank you I can join on earth with what's going on in heaven. And thank you that I can make a difference in the world. And so can you. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that your word is strong and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Thank you, O God, that you're able to take this word and put it into hearts. And where there's people in here today, Lord, who are feeling downcast, you want to lift them up. Lord, you want them to know that you have a hope and a future for them Lord I want to thank you that for those who are in confusion today you want to show them clarity that you're you're a God who brings clarity out of confusion that Lord where there's people here today and they're feeling afraid that you would help them to know that there is nothing to fear when they put their dependence upon you Lord Jesus thank you Jesus that you died for us thank you that you paid the price thank you that your blood legally sets us free and when the enemy tries to use legal language against us From the old law system, thank you that Jesus has legally paid the price and we're free of it. And thank you that we're married to another, that we're married to you, Lord Jesus. Help us as we sing together, Father, help us to lift our hearts in worship. Thank you for the beginning of this song, I cast my mind to Calvary, where Jesus bled and died for me. Lord, we love you and we thank you, praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's just stand and we'll sing this song.